Want to hear 25 remote work experts share their amazing strategies and processes for building successful remote work companies and remote team? We've got speakers from leading companies like Thinkific, Evergreen Profits, Dynamite Circle and Tribe Theory and more. Register for your free ticket now at www.remotebusinesssummit.com That's right, www.remotebusinesssummit.com We'll see you there, November 18 to 22. Woohoo! Welcome to Founders Connect Podcast. We help lifestyle entrepreneurs to grow their business online and create a happier marriage. Did you know that approximately 45% of marriages end up in divorce and 65% of all startups fail due to founder conflicts? Well, we're here to change that. Each week, we bring you an inspiring guest and practical tips to help you with business, relationships, and sustainable living. Now, let the fun begin! Hi, I'm Cindy Pham. And I'm Anthony Chansomuth. And we're from Founders Founders Connect. I am joined today by Gregory Elfrink. Is that right, Greg? (laughs) Yeah, that's correct. He's a magical creature in hockey rink. (laughs) (laughs) I love that. So Gregory joined EmpireFlippers.com in April 2016 as the content manager. He's now the marketing director. He manages the flow of content surrounding the brand, uh, there are blog posts, there are guides, there are epic podcast episodes, everything from producing content to promoting it. The goal of the work is to grow the reach of the company and introduce new audiences to Empire Flippers. Now, are you okay if I just call you Greg? <laughs> yeah, that's fine. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to trip up every time I do it. Um, you were born in Anchorage in Alaska. Um, yeah. Where you work uh, in oil, oil fields. Okay, there's some good stories coming up. And you're now traveling. <laughs> to Southeast Asia and you're living in Vietnam. You've been there for the past four years, as you just mentioned to me. You love fiction, science, and in your free time, you moonlight as a novelist, which I didn't know. So that's really cool. <laughs> okay, welcome to the uh, podcast. Oh, thank you. You got to add me on Facebook if you didn't know I was a novelist. I publish all my bad poetry on there. <laughs> <laughs> totally. Okay, well, I'm not going to show you mine, but yes, uh, I love it. So tell us a bit about your Empire Flippers, okay? So, you know, a bit a bit about the, the business and, and why it was created or, and, and maybe how it created and then how you sort of joined the team. Yeah, so it's a uh, pretty long story. I'll, I'll try to condense it. But we basically started off as an outsourcing company in the Philippines and we had one major client. And as we tell any service business that we work with today, that is a huge critical failure. That client ended up firing, not firing us, but just stopped paying us. No matter what we tried to do, even with a uh, you know contract in place and all that stuff, and so we had this team in the Philippines, and we didn't have like what are we going to do? Uh, we didn't want to lose them, so we heard heard about like building these niche sites, AdSense sites specifically. They started building out AdSense sites. Uh, some of them were making like fifty, hundred bucks a month. Eventually, we started selling them uh, for about twenty x what they were making back then. That was like crazy to us. Now it seems so small. But uh, fast forward a few years and uh, you know, we had built up this whole audience and people had been coming to us saying like, hey, would you sell my site for me? You have this audience already uh, and I don't know what I'm doing. I'll pay you a commission fee for it. And that was really the, the start of the brokerage. 
and we rebranded everything from our our AdSense flippers days, where we're basically just a you know a niche site blog, to Empire Flippers, where we became a full-on brokerage. Now, a few years later, we have been on the Inc. 5000 list four years in a row, helping people buy and sell online businesses that make actual money. And uh, we have the largest uh, curated marketplace in the world for profitable businesses. So that's our like story in a nutshell. Uh, and what we really try to focus on is uh, one being transparent as much as we can possibly be, because as I'm sure you know, this industry, internet marketing is often full of smoke and mirrors, people saying amazing things on the ad. And then behind the ad, there's not so many amazing things happening often. So we try to be very honest uh, upfront, uh, both when it helps us and when it hurts us. And ultimately, I think either way, it helps us because you know, people want to listen to someone who's telling the truth, right? So that's what we do. Um, we try to make it as simple as possible for people to buy these online assets or sell an online asset. That's really cool. And so how did you... What were you doing before Empire Flippers? Yeah, you kind of hinted at it earlier. I was an oil-filled roughneck in the Arctic Circle of Alaska. <laughs> I'm from Australia, so I have no idea what that even looks like. So what, what do you do <laughs> day out on oil fields? Uh, yeah, you know, it could be pretty dynamic or it could be extremely boring. I had a, I had a directional driller who told me once, uh, they were like pretty high up on the rig. And I, I was just you know throwing mud, which is slang for uh, <laughs> drilling chemical, drilling fluid. But he told me, no, the oil field is long periods of boredom punctuated by sheer moments of absolute terror. That's pretty correct. <laughs> so there's like there's days where like I'm literally watching paint dry for like 10, 12 hours. Uh, you know, you work in 12 to 18 hour shifts, right? <laughs> and then there are days when there's like, oh, uh, oil is on fire right now. And if that gets out of control, there's going to be 60 wow. wells that blow up and kill everyone on this island. So they could go from like zero intensity to 11 real quick. <laughs> but most of the time, uh, what I was doing is just throwing mud, which are these you know, chemical sacks you're mixing into a pit. I would have like my Darth Vader mask on, my respirator, all that stuff, and uh, big rubber gloves and rubber apron as I'm stirring all this fluid and you know mixing it up and then sending it through various pumps and towards the end i was running the hydraulic pump this bio pump which is ironic because it was an extremely complex pump and i knew nothing about <laughs> pumps right i'm like the worst mechanical person in the world but i somehow talked myself into this position and <laughs> the best thing about that pump was it broke often and every time it broke we would pull out the uh handbook on how to fix this thing you know every hour it was down so it's like the rig was like right here and the pump was underneath the rig. Yeah. The pump would actually uh, be what, what was pumping away all the earth. So without the pump, the rig couldn't drill. So every hour was a ton of money lost for the company, right? And the handbook, I always thought it was just so ironic. This incredible, important machinery, the handbook on how to fix it was all in Austria. Hey, <laughs> like, like, I'm in, I'm in like, uh, you know, a man made island six miles off the north coast of Alaska, not a single Austrian on this <laughs> island. <laughs> like, like who thinks to make this handbook in Austria? <laughs> oh, yeah, that was like examples of some of the fun fun times with the oil field. <laughs> that's, that's 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 remarkable. For, like, good on you for doing that because I don't know if I could actually do that. I would and, recommend. It. <laughs> <laughs> so then, this I mean, in some way, leads to the question I want to ask you now, which is, what's been a courageous decision that you've made in your career? I would say coming on board with Empire Flippers, to be honest. 
You know, I, I wanted to be in this industry for a long time. I was one of those guys who's buying courses left and right. Absolutely hated my job in the oil field, right? And I applied to a bunch of different marketing agencies in Alaska. I never went to college, barely passed high school. You know, not that I'm dumb. I'm a relatively smart person. I mean, I could talk circles around almost anyone when it comes to Korean literature, right? Which is a very weird thing to know a lot about. But yeah, I... So none of those agencies would ever give me a chance. Uh, nothing ever took off for me. And I was just kind of stuck in the field and uh, oil field. And uh, I saw this job opportunity to become an apprentice for EF a few years back and threw my hat into the ring, expecting just like all the other agencies I've applied for that I would just you know, not even get a response. And uh, sure enough, they hired me. And it was like, a dream come true in a lot of ways, but at the same time, I almost didn't accept it because I thought, you know, at the time I was working in town and uh, not in the field anymore. I was still like working 12 to 14 hour days, but at least I was in an office now. I was getting paid the least I've ever been paid in the oil field as well. Cause like when you go to the office, you take a big pay cut. And I just thought, you know, this is the first time I've ever had a super cushy gig in the oil field. When, if I leave this, and go and pursue this dream of mine of getting into marketing, and I'm just a complete failure. <laughs> like, what am I going to do? I'm going to be back on the rig, right? Yeah. So that was a big decision on my part. Luckily, uh, one of my best friends, he, he was living in China at the time, so it is actually, and uh, he told me uh, he would fly back to Alaska and break my legs <laughs> if I did take the job because he knew how depressed I was and how much I really wanted something like this. And so that, that was something that took a lot of courage, I felt, on my part to uh, make that jump. And uh, I'm very glad I did. My life has changed dramatically uh, for the better. That's really amazing. So was a requirement of the job to move out of Alaska or was that something of your own decision making? Yeah. So at the time when I came on board, or the way our hiring worked was when you uh, got the job, you'd come out and work for, you know, live wherever your manager is. And, you know, at the time we were like a five person company. I was employee number five, I think. Uh, <laughs> like the guy who got hired with me, we were five and six, or maybe it was four and five, I forget which. But uh, we weren't very big, right? So my uh, superior, my manager was Justin Cook, our co founder, uh, CMO. Uh, he was living in Vietnam at the time, so he brought me out here for that job. I still remember that conversation with my uh, old oil boss, the guy that had the cushiest oil job I had. I told him I was quitting, and he's like, oh, thank God, because oil is in the tank right now. I might have to lay off. People and maybe this will save a job, right? So what are you doing? I like told him like going to marketing. He's like, oh, good. You've always wanted to do that. This guy was like the nicest boss ever had in the oil field, like, which is extremely rare, as you might imagine. <laughs> he was like, so where at? I was like, oh, I'm going to Vietnam. He's like, Greg, you know, I don't want to like stomp on your dreams or anything, but are you sure this is a real thing? <laughs> <laughs> so uh, yeah, so they brought me out to Vietnam for the first uh, few months and. We're a 100% remote team. Now we have close to 60 people on the team and uh, we just work from all around the world. I personally fell in love with Southeast Asia. I think it's a great area of the world. So I stay for the most part. I still travel all around, but mainly in Southeast Asia. You are listening to the Founders Connect podcast, helping lifestyle entrepreneurs to grow their business online and create a happier marriage. Now back to the show. That's incredible, man. So, well, this probably easy answer for you then. So what does remote work revolution mean to you? <laughs> yeah, I love the work at home, uh, you know, remote location things. I think it opens up so much opportunities, not just for your professional life, but for your personal life too, right? Like I get to, you know, as long as my schedule allows it, if I don't have any meetings or anything like that, I can more or less make my own schedule, 
right? Uh, as long as your work is getting done, the deliverables are there. You never have someone like overlooking on your shoulders. It would be really difficult for someone to do that in a remote environment, right? So there's always a certain level of trust given to you and autonomy, which I love. And I think that helps you grow both personally and professionally in very big ways. Now, if you're not used to that kind of environment, it can take a while to get used to and really like get yourself up to speed. But once you do, I think it's just the best way to work in the world. And something that you mentioned is that you sort of this week, you've already started to do some training with some new team members. Are they also there on site with you or are they somewhere else? Yeah. So they're out here in Vietnam with me. So I, I just recently hired two uh, content specialists for our marketing team. So I've been going you know, through all of uh, our company history, industry stuff, uh, you know, big content marketing uh, monologues for me, teaching them the ropes, so, so to speak. Uh, our industry is a bit difficult uh, when it comes to marketing just because you need to know quite a bit about the industry before you really you know, start saying something and find your voice. So a lot of my time is spent teaching them about the industry. Yeah. Okay. So I assume they're not going to stay in Vietnam. <laughs> is that right? Or are they actually locally based? One of the guys, he was actually already out here in Asia. He was working in the Philippines for a bit at a resort. And then he uh, was in Cambodia, just like hanging out, doing some freelance work. Yep. Uh, when he found our job. So he already is like love with Southeast Asia. He's the first time he's ever been to Vietnam and so far he's loving it. So I think there's a good chance he'll he'll stay. Um as far as the other one, she he was in the UK, I believe. She's American, but she was in the UK and she came out here. She'll be here in Asia, I think, till the end of the year. And then uh we'll be back in the UK or maybe somewhere else in Europe, I'm not quite sure. Okay. So that my Question I have for you is around because you have grown the team significantly from the you know when you were number five all the way through to sixty wherever you're at now. How do you sort of maintain? I'm curious about the onboarding process and how do you? I mean, you start with training sort of like you did. You fly on or you go on site with the training manager. You learn you onboard there, and then when they go back or if they decide to then go remote, do you have a specific? system or something like that to keep in touch with everyone and then make sure that the culture is still strong because i can see some concerns people have with remote work is that you know if people are all over the place how do you ensure that there is a culture that's being developed and how do you maintain that culture yeah i mean this is the like honestly i don't think being remote makes that more difficult than if you're in an office sure you can't like go down the hallway like knock on their door or something but if you look at a typical office setting where everyone like to say that say they have their private office, private cubicle, right? It's not like you're seeing them for eight hours a day. You're seeing them like when you need to see them. So like you have meetings, you have all that stuff. All that is still happening in a remote environment. One thing that I do, and this is something I've learned from you know other much more skilled managers than me, because this is my first role ever as a manager, right? So I had a lot of learning to do once I got promoted. I'm still learning. But one thing I do that really helps keep that relationship alive and keep them in the culture, both work and professionally, and also just like give this, gives them some personal fulfillment, at least I hope, is uh, doing what I call one-on-one. So basically, once per week, I meet with everyone that is my direct. Right now, there's no supervisors underneath me running other people. But if they had supervisors, I, or if my supervisors did have people working for them as directs, then they would do this as well. So basically what it is, uh, it can last between 25 minutes to an hour. Typically, mine are about 35 minutes, unless we're talking about some kind of a plan or project. But the first half of that is basically that person's time to say anything they want. 
It could be about their dog, it could be about work, you know, whatever, the, a new craft beer they tried or something, you know? And uh, then the second half is yours as the manager to say what you need to say. And the ending of the last like five, 10 minutes is talking about the future, like how well are they doing? Like, where do you want to go? Or, like, what skills do you want to learn? What do you want to do? All that kind of vision building stuff. And that way, it's, it's basically like a quarterly review every week. And they always know where they are, how they're doing. There's no surprises, at least no bad surprises. They'll never be like, you know, written up and not expecting that to happen. I might keep like a raise as a surprise for something <laughs> like that. He's like, like, check it out. Like, <laughs> you know, but, but they always know how they're doing. And that, that first section where you allow them to talk, you just listen to them really builds that relationship and builds that trust that they can, you know, speak to you about whatever it is that you're talking about, whether it's good or bad. So you're more sort of air on the side of coaching rather than performance management. So it's not like, hey, you know, you've done these things wrong and, you know, (laughs) ask questions and and provide feedback, but it's more of a casual sort of, yeah. Okay. Yeah. uh, uh, One last thing I would add on that with what you said, the performance versus the coaching thing. I'm a bigger fan of coaching. Uh, there's a management or leadership quote that I love that says, uh, a real leader will allow you to fail, but never allow you to be a failure. And I truly believe in that. So we give our people a lot of autonomy. And yeah, they might mess up, they might make mistakes, but we can fix those, right? We can overcome all of that. And the, uh, the other thing, I like to be uh, friend, like friends with my people. So when they do mess up, they feel guilty <laughs> about it, right? Like, I failed my friend, you know? Yeah. Uh, that to me is a much uh, better style of management than yelling like, where is the papers? Where's the TPS reports? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. All that kind of stuff. I'm with you. I, I mean, sure, it's pretty different to what it was on oil. Maybe it was the same on the oil fields. I'm not sure. but um, Oh, there was no, no yeah. guilt. There's just all pure shame and humiliation. <laughs> there <you go>. Different styles. <laughs> uh, Very different style. <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> all right, we're going to just wrap up this one because I wanted to talk about the Remote Business Summit, and you're going to be one of the teachers on there. What topic are you going to be teaching us on the summit? Yeah, so I'll be going over all the different popular online business models. There's three main ones uh, that are fantastic, whether you want to buy and get a little bit of a head start, or if you want to bootstrap, all three of them are possibilities. Wicked. And then why do you think it's important to learn about online business models now? I think it's important because the internet is here to stay. It's the future. And if you really want to design a lifestyle of freedom, of your own choice, I don't think there's a better vehicle out there than the internet. Learning it is just should be business 101 for most people at this point. Love it. And um, you're going to be giving away a prize for one lucky winner who actually attends your talk live. So they've got to attend it live. They're going to listen and they're going to learn all about these different business models, going to get some insight into what you're all about and how you help people. And you're going to give a cool prize to one lucky person. What's that going to be, Greg? Yeah. So uh, you and I were talking about this offline. We were talking about doing the buyer criteria discovery call, but maybe we can also offer if uh, you know if that one person watching me wins, uh, if they're doing any kind of content marketing, I would be more than happy to look at what they're doing and let them know what they could do better in, in terms of my opinion uh, and help them possibly build that business a little bit better so they can sell it for a better exit down there. That is priceless. Like I know how much value comes from just getting an experienced content marketer to look at your stuff. So that's, that's really epic. I really appreciate that. And uh, okay, so for you guys listening, that summit is coming up November 18 to 22. Greg will be on there along with 25 other uh, remote business experts, uh, remote work experts, and people who know all about what it's like to 
be in this world and what's coming for our future. And the funny thing is it's already here. So make sure you go and register for your free ticket at uh, remotebusinesssummit.com. And then we will be sharing all these goodies with you real soon. Thanks for joining us today, Greg. And we will see you on the summit. Thanks for tuning in. And remember to live passionately, purposefully, and confidently. Till next time.